Take your Bibles and stand with me, if you will, opening them to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I want to preach tonight on this subject, why I chose to be a fundamentalist. Why I chose to be a fundamentalist. The veteran preacher, Apostle Paul, is giving instruction to the young preacher, Timothy. And uh, I love the words, I love the instruction, the admonition uh, that he gives uh, to Timothy in this passage of Scripture. Turn me up just a little bit, please. Verse number 10, he writes, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering. I'm sorry, fellas, it's ringing now. You have to turn it back where it was. I'm sorry. Look back at this scripture again, beginning in verse number 10. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But Paul writes to the young preacher, But continue thou, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. He said no matter what comes on the scene, no matter it's problems, no matter if it's uh, uh, intellects bringing deception, no matter what it is, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the preaching tonight. Dear Lord, I'm going to give somewhat of a testimony message. And I pray, Lord, that you would do in hearts of young people what you did in my heart some 30 plus years ago as a young teenage boy in the fire that you uh, started in my heart that burns yet tonight. I pray you would be honored and glorified. I pray that the presence of the Holy Spirit would be real in this place tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. I grew up in a wonderful Christian home, an independent fundamental Baptist church, and graduated from a Christian school. My father was my pastor. I enjoyed life growing up. I enjoyed all of the activities of our school, of our church, and our home, and we stayed uh, quite busy in all of those activities. I loved uh, playing basketball and uh, loved those activities. I loved the traveling that we did. Uh, we would go to uh, basketball tournaments and games, and in those days, I, we, we never stayed in a motel. Uh, we went on basketball trips. We'd stay in the church and uh, just sleep in the pews, and, and of course, it, they didn't have showers, and we didn't care. And uh, but but we we would stay in the church and just uh, enjoy uh, the trips and the activities. I loved traveling to conferences. Now when we went to preaching conferences, we did stay in motels. Do you know how many fellas you can get in one? Well, anyway, uh, motel uh, room. Uh, but but we would stay in motels when we go to preaching conferences. And I I love the activities growing up as a teenager. I I love the winter activities, the summertime. Uh, all of it. I, I just I loved all the activities and have fond memories of 
of uh, being in church and Christian school growing up. I worked in the bus ministry of our church starting at age uh, oh, 11 or 12. Our church was a solid church. My father was a preacher that was grounded in the Word of God. His uh, pastor, uh, the uh, man, Brother Clyde Jones Jr., who's in heaven now, uh, he was a good Bible preacher. He taught my dad the Word of God. He taught him Bible doctrine, step by step, line upon line, precept upon precept, many, many Bible verses again and again in the teaching. He taught the importance and the truth, of course, of the virgin birth and the vicarious death, the sinless life, inerrancy of the Word of God and all of that. He taught him the doctrines of the Word of God. My father was a hard-working man. He worked a full-time job for many years before being able to go full-time as a pastor. And when he did go full-time as a pastor, he actually went overtime as a pastor. I recall the days when I was in high school and I was uh, thinking about, debating, and pondering what I wanted to do with my life. One of the interests I had early was to become an attorney. Uh, that interested me, and I would go to the local courthouse and observe uh, the work of the lawyers and judges and all of that, and I enjoyed the debate back and forth and then uh, uh, coming to the decision-making process, and I had an interest in becoming an attorney. I gave consideration to a lot of different occupations. And then something happened in my heart as a young teenage boy about the age of 14 or 15. Something happened that caused me to want to become an old-fashioned, independent, fundamental Baptist preacher. I was attending a conference, a preaching conference, I think either in Charlotte, North Carolina or Chattanooga, Tennessee, and we attended conferences in both places. My dad uh, took us to conferences from uh, Texas to the Carolinas, from Chicago to Florida. And uh, I remember one night they introduced a fellow to preach. I had uh, not heard him, just a young teenage boy. They said, uh, we're going to have preaching tonight from Texas, Brother Lester Roloff. And Les Roloff got up to preach, and a slim fella. And, of course, if you ate what he ate, you'd be slim too. He drank a lot of carrot juice. And, uh, and, uh, but anyway, he got up to preach, and he had a, a deep, strong voice. And, and uh, when he came to the platform, he also had a, a group of uh, young ladies, 12 or 15, that stood behind him. And uh, he gave a little bit of an introduction, and then... Uh, uh, they began to sing. And I thought, my goodness, that's, that's the best singing I ever heard. This must be a, a professional group of, preach, uh, of uh, singers uh, with this preacher. And uh, they sang, and then uh, he turned and he said to the first girl there, he said, give a testimony of, uh, of your life. And uh, she began to give testimony that uh, a few years ago she was in jail and was in jail because of alcohol and narcotics. And, and her life was wrecked. And she said, then I heard about Brother Roloff. She said, I went down to Corpus Christi. And she said, I got saved and God changed my life. And I want to serve God with my life. Went to the next girl and she gave a testimony just about the same. And 
Then another testimony, and, and a girl said, I grew up in an abusive home, and my father was an alcoholic, and he abused me and, and my brothers and sisters. And at a young age, I ran away from home, and I got in trouble with the law, and, and uh, uh, I ended up here. And I'm so glad I did, because when I came to Brother Roloff, I... He got my mind and heart filled with the Word of God, and God saved me, and God changed me. She said, since that time, I've never had uh, any alcohol or drugs, and my life is clean, and I want to live for the rest of my life. I want to be pure and clean. And one after another, they began to tell about how their lives had been wrecked and ruined by drugs and alcohol and sin and uh, broken homes and abusive situations and being uh, in the court system. And one by one, they begin to tell what God had done to change their life because of the work of Brother Roloff. They sang, and they sang like angels from heaven. They began to uh, quote Scripture. I remember uh, them quoting Psalm number 1, and uh, they just quoted it with great power. Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his root, uh, fruit in his season. Uh, his leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. They would get finished with that psalm and Brother Roloff would say, uh, girls quote Psalm 121 and then quote Psalm 40 in Ephesians chapter 2 and uh, on and on. And boy, I'll tell you, uh, what, a, what a wonderful spirit that it was. And then uh, the girls uh, left and a group of men came up. And they began to sing, and boy, I thought what great singers they are. They began to give testimony, and, and uh, they gave the same kind of testimony. Something happened in my heart that evening. As I listened to those testimonies, and I listened and I saw what one man had done to change their life, my heart was touched. Tears began to flow from my eyes, and I began to think what I could do to make a difference in the lives of people that lived in my town. I'd heard many preachers. I'd heard some good preachers. I'd heard enjoyable preachers. I'd heard funny preachers and all kinds of preachers. But, boy, this guy was different. I mean, this guy, had, uh, this man had given his life for changing the lives of others for God and for good. He said he was an old-time fundamentalist. And I said, if that's what an old-time fundamentalist is, then I want to be one of those. I want to be the kind of person that changes lives. I began to think of the young people on my bus route back home and how some of their homes were broken and how their homes were affected by alcohol and drugs and how their homes were affected by the terrible music uh, that was there uh, constantly day in and day out. And boy, God began to do a work in my heart that night. I wanted to do something and I said, if that's what a fundamentalist is, that's what I want to be. Later on in the conference, they introduced another preacher. First time I heard him, they said, Now this fellow that's coming to preach is from the Chicago area. He pastors the largest Sunday school in the world. Some 20,000 people a week come to this church, and it's an amazing, wonderful church. As he got up, I expected a sophisticated, eloquent, polished kind of an orator. When he got up, he cleared his throat often and he coughed a lot. Wasn't a big man, wasn't an impressive looking man. When he began to preach, though, there was something special 
and something different about that man. He told how he came from a broken home. He said, my daddy was a town drunk. and My mama was poor and had to work hard to keep food on the table for me and for my sister. He told how he got saved just as a, 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 a young boy. He said, I went to Sunday school and I uh, noticed all the other kids in Sunday school in my class, they all had shoes on and I looked down and I was barefooted. And the teacher had said that God loves the little children. And she said that teacher picked me up and set me on her knee and said God loves. And said that God loved me and and uh, he said, I asked her, does God love little boys that doesn't have shoes to wear? And she said, yes, God loves you. He said, because of that Sunday school teacher later, I trusted Christ as my Savior. And then I, I, I was called to preach. He said, when I was called to preach, I wanted to tell my dad. And uh, he said, I went looking for my dad. And he said, I found my dad in a bar room there in Texas. And I went in and I said, Daddy, I've, I've been called to preach. God called me to preach. He said his dad in a drunken stupor took him outside and began to curse him. Knocked him down on the ground and kicked him. And said he yelled to all the people and announced, said, My son's going to be a blankety-blank preacher. And they laughed at him and he made fun of him. He kicked him. He mocked him. Went back in the bar room. He said, his daddy came back out and he said, if you're going to be one of those blankety-blank preachers, why don't you then just go build the biggest church in the world? And he scoffed at him and went back in the bar room. Well, there was something different about this preacher. He told about a church, that the church that he was called to there in Hammond. And I'd never heard this story before. It was the first time I heard it. He said, I was there for a while. And oh, he said, it was a fine church and a lot of well-to-do folks in that church. He said, I invited out to eat in different clubs and different organizations there in our town. He said, I had the supper with George Beverly Shea and others like that. He said, I went to Chicago and I saw all the children, the kids that were without Christ, and I thought about how I grew up. He said, I want to do what I can to reach these children for the cause of Christ said one day the representative or a group of those men came to him and said, we represent the folks with money in this church and you're going to have to make a choice. We don't like all those buses running and we don't like all of those children. You're going to have to choose between those bus kids or us, the money, the rich people. I sat there as a teenage boy wondering, I wonder what this preacher did. Boy, on the edge of my seat, I listened. He said, I, I, I wondered and I prayed and I wondered and, my, and prayed in my mind. He said, I wanted to reach the children. But he said, I, if they all left, I wouldn't have money. I, I, I wouldn't have a church. He said, I went to Chicago and I prayed. He said, I prayed all night. He said, I prayed and I prayed all night. I sat there as a boy listening to that. And I wondered, what's going to happen? What's he going to do? He came to the next morning and said as the sun rose there in Chicago, he said, I stood and I yelled, I'll take the bus, kids! He said, I went back to my church and I told those rich men, you can leave if you want to leave. I don't want you to. 
but you're not going to keep me from reaching the children. Why, he said he was an old-time independent fundamental Baptist. And I said, if that's what an independent fundamental Baptist is, that's what I want to be. I want to be the kind of guy that makes a difference in the lives of others. I want to be the kind of guy that cares for the souls of mankind, that cares for the poor and cares for the needy and runs buses. And that's what kind of man my dad was. We were running buses all over the uh, uh, the region there in southeast Kentucky out of our church there in Hazard. And, and, uh, and, and I said, that's what I want to be. And I went back home with something in my heart I'd never had before. I went back home with a burden in my heart to make a difference in the lives of the broken and the hurting. And I began to. I began to win people to Christ even as a young teenager. I began to work a bus route and had a desire to make a difference for the cause of Christ. All of a sudden, Bible doctrines and the fundamentals of the faith, they meant something to me now. I wanted to know about the Holy Spirit and I wanted to know about the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I got a new Bible. I got a little Schofield Bible. My mama gave it to me in February of 1979. I was a 14-year-old boy. I had something burning in my heart, a passion, and I said, I, I want to do what Lester Olaf does. I want to do what Jack Howells does. And I heard others like them. I said, that's what I want to be. And I got my Bible. This is that Bible that I got when I was a 14-year-old boy. And I took this Bible and I went to the mountain there behind our house and I sat down and I began to read it. I'd read a page and I'd write this phrase at the top, pray for God's power. I'd read the next page and I'd write these words, pray for God's power. You see, having the fullness of the Holy Spirit is useless just to have it. But I had a reason to have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. There were folks that needed somebody to love them. There were folks around me that needed somebody to tell them that Jesus came to give them salvation. There were folks around me that were broke and and wrecked and ruined by sin. And I didn't need the Holy Spirit power just to have it. I needed the power of the Holy Spirit that I could win folks to Christ. I went on my bus route and it was different now. I didn't just pass out the flyers. I didn't just try to finish my route as soon as I could. I had a burden. I wanted to know what was going on in the house. I wanted to know, do you know Christ as your Savior? Do you know Jesus Christ? And I began to study the Word of God and the fundamentals of the faith. Well, they meant something to me then because I found the reason why I wanted to be a fundamentalist. I wanted to be a fundamentalist because I wanted to make a difference for the cause of Christ and for all eternity in the lives of young people. I decided that I wanted to work for my father. My dad was a good preacher, a good man. He loved people. He'd given himself to win souls to Christ, to run buses and to build a wonderful church. We prayed together and planned together. My dad didn't finish high school and he said to me, Son, I want you to go to Bible college and I want you to learn and I want you to prepare. You can come back and we can make a difference for the cause of Christ. That's what I planned to do. At the age of 19, I was a student at Bible, in Bible college. And I got the call one evening just about the close of work, 19 years of age, the same age as Jeremy is, my son, that stood here and played the uh, banjo and sang a while ago, 19 years old. My dad said, Son, I've been to the doctor today and I have cancer. 
The doctor says, I have six months to live. The Lord gave him 23 months, and he lived until August of 1985. I'd already surrendered to the will of God, and I didn't know now what I was going to do because I wanted to work for him. So at the age of 21, I surrendered my heart and my life to be a pastor. You see, I wanted to make a difference in the lives of others. That's what I wanted to do. Uh, let, let me tell you something. You can memorize every Bible doctrine and every verse that goes with it, but just to know it won't do you any good. Or to know it and to be able to brag about it to somebody else and say I'm a fundamentalist but don't do anything with it. That's what a Pharisee is. I, I'm not interested in just knowing Bible doctrine so I can say I'm better than you. I'm not interested in separation from the world just for the sake of separation. I want to make a difference for the cause of Christ, for the love of God in the lives of others. At the age of 21, I became a pastor pastor of that church my dad had started April of 1986 here in just a few weeks it will be 25 years ago I was married in June of 1987 and God gave me a wonderful wife that shared the burden to make a difference in the lives of others we wanted to be the kind of fundamentalists that love people we wanted to be the kind of fundamentalists that made a difference in their lives for Christ in eternity I remember those we tried to help we did help you know, some folks, they give up because they say, well, I tried to help them and they, they didn't turn out. Can I tell you something? The good days that they had was worth you investing in them. And you don't know what's going to happen uh, in the end of their life. And the truth is, you've changed their life for all eternity. Brother Tony Green is here tonight. You're going to hear his testimony at the bus conference at this fall. Uh, those that attend the bus conference. He grew up in a troubled home. He grew up, in, and I let him tell the story, an abusive home. He left home at age 14. He said, I didn't want to live. He said, I, I, I didn't want to live. I wanted to commit suicide. But he said, there were some bus people that kept coming to our house. And he said, the only reason I wanted to live is to see what the bus people was going to do next week. And I kept going to church, and I was a pastor of the church there in Knoxville Baptist Tabernacle, and they're winning people to Christ and running buses and making a difference. That's what kind of fundamentalist I want to be. Brother Damaris worked for me in those years when I was a pastor there. And I remember Huey Sizemore coming. Huey Sizemore came to the prayer meeting just before church, and Brother Damaris introduced him. He said, Preacher, this is Huey, and Huey just got saved. Huey was a mess. His clothes were dirty. He smelled bad. His glasses were broken. His hair was greasy and oily and all messed up. He'd been a drunken, uh, a, a drunkard for many years. He said usually he lived in the county uh, next to Perry County. And he said a preacher usually picks me up every Sunday evening and takes me back. I come to Hazard and I drink all weekend. The preacher picks me up and takes me back, but he said he didn't show up. And this preacher came and he gave me the gospel and I got saved tonight. Amen. Huey turned from his alcohol and he turned to the Lord. Amen. Huey was, uh, he could play a banjo. I said, Huey, I'm preaching in the jail next Saturday morning. I want you to go with me and play the banjo. He said, oh, no. He said, I've stayed enough in that jail. I'm not going back. I said, but you've never stood on the outside of the bars. I'm going to stand on the outside, and you get to see what it looks like from standing on the outside to the inside. And I want you to play and sing, and then I'll preach. He went. The more sober he got, the less he could play. In fact, he got to where he couldn't play the banjo at all, so I had to... 
I told him, I said, I'm going to have to give you a drink so you can... No, I'm just kidding. I saw God change his life. And I said, Lord, I don't know if this is just how Brother Roloff did it, but that's one person that's life's been changed. And then there was Enoch, and there was Johnny, and there was Mike, and every name I'm telling you, my wife knows exactly. I, I remember Mike. He didn't have a place to live. He was kicked out of his house because of his mean behavior. Oh, he was a mean fellow, but he got saved. And he, and he just fell in love with church. And he said, he said, Preacher, I just want to stay with you. And so he did. He stayed with us for a long time. And I said, you know, that's what kind of fundamentalist I want to be that makes a difference in the lives of others. I think of Samantha. I think of the White family. I can still see their house in River Caney. I think of that family in Yellow Creek that my wife had won to Christ. I remember the funeral of the father. And they buried the father just out in the front yard. I remember the little girls so backward and shy. On that rainy day as we buried the father, them standing there looking out the glass window, out of that, out of that just shack of a house. Oh, but we was making a difference in their lives. I remember that family, that family that lived in that little wooden house with eight children, a coal stove. And, and uh, I remember as we led them to Christ one by one, it took nearly two years to win Dad to Christ. I remember my wife sitting beside the mother when she lost a baby to death in infancy. Oh, dear friend, you know why I chose to be a fundamentalist? I want to be a fundamentalist because those are the ones that make a difference for the cause of Christ. I heard about the other crowd. They talk about love, but you don't ever find them on a bus route. They preach love all the time. Well, you ought to love folks. You ought to love folks. But you don't find them out on a bus route. You don't find them out soul winning. I said the fundamentalists, oh, they've got standards and rules and convictions. And I like that, but they don't just talk about love. They love people. They make a difference and they raise money and buy buses and they raise money and reach children with the gospel of Christ. And I said, that's what kind of fundamentalist I want to be. We came to Lexington some 20 years ago. They came to me, two preachers did, and they said, you'll never build a church with your kind of preaching. That's what they said. They said, you can preach against the horse racing in the mountains. You can't preach against that here. Folks won't come to church. You'll never build a church here. They said, besides, with the bus ministry, you'll never, you'll never build a church that way. Those kids don't put enough money in the offering plate to pay for the gas. Well, I long learned, uh, learned a long time ago, if they don't take anything out, we're that much ahead. We didn't come to church to build a town. Or, or we, we didn't come to town to build a church. We didn't come to town to build a big church. What we came to town to do is win people to Christ. I'm the kind of fundamentalist that cares about people. I don't want folks to die and go to hell. I believe there is a hell that burns with fire and brimstone. I believe those that die without Christ go to a devil's hell. But also believe there's a heaven and the streets are paved with gold and the walls are jasper and the gates of pearl. And I believe Jesus came to make a difference that they can know Christ and escape hell and have heaven as their home. And I didn't come to build a big church. I just came to make a difference in the lives of some people. There's one bus and then two buses and then three routes and four and last week 24. There was 100 people and then 200 people. 
then 300, and then four, and then five, and six, and last fall, 2,000 a week, counting the folks that come to the Spanish church. And oh, dear friend, I decided as a 14-year-old boy, the year I bought this Bible and I fell in love with the fundamentals of the faith, I said, when I heard Lester Olaf preach and give testimony of what had happened in the lives of those people, when I heard Jack Howes preach and talk about the buses and the bus kids, I said, that's what I want to be. I want to be an old time fundamentalist that cares about people. Amen. 2002, I was asked to become the editor of the Church Bus News and become a spokesman for the bus ministry in America. I remember one preacher said, uh, he said, you, you, you shouldn't do that. You'll limit yourself. And I said, there's nothing or no one I'd rather represent than those that are hurting and broken and to make a difference in their lives for the cause of Christ. And to think that I get to encourage and to help folks. I was preaching last night in Warren, Michigan. And there were folks that came to me and they said, We came to the bus conference last year. We didn't know how to run a bus route. We didn't know anything about it, so we came to learn. And they began to tell me stories about how many folks that are riding their bus every week. And they began to tell me stories about boys and girls that got saved. And they introduced me to people that got saved from their bus route. And I said, Glory to God, that's what kind of fundamentalist I want to be that makes a difference for the cause of Christ. Young people, you listen to me tonight. The reason I became an old-fashioned fundamentalist was because uh, the a fundamentalist for those that were winning people to Christ. Now, I believe in the fundamentals of the faith and I take a strong stand. I don't fight for fighting's sake. I fight to get somebody... I want to get somebody saved. I won't, I won't sell out on the fundamentals. I believe this old book right here. This old King James Bible right here. America was founded on that book. I believe God's preserved His inspired words right there. I'm not ashamed that I can't explain everything in it, but if God said it, that's good enough for me. And some things I can't explain, I can't even understand. When we get to heaven, God will explain it. God will tell us, but I tell you what, I understand enough of it to keep me busy for a lifetime and more. I don't doubt that book right there. And I'm an old-time fundamentalist. I'll fight for that book. This nation knows that I'm not for sale when it comes to that book right there. I'm not ashamed to tell the world that I believe that God has uh, preserved His inspired words right there. There are no mistakes in it. You can go ahead and say, well, there's a mistake here. And there 32,000. Then they got it whittled down to 20,000. And then 10,000. Hey, just quit whittling on the Bible. The Bible says uh, that the words of the Lord are pure words and that He's preserved those words for every generation. I believe that book. But I want to tell you something tonight. Hey, you can believe that book is God's preserved, inspired words, but if you don't do anything with it, if you don't make a difference for the cause of Christ, it won't do you any good to believe that it's inspired. won't do you any good to believe it's preserved if you're not going to do something with it. Now, I'm an old-time fighting fundamentalist, but friend, the reason I stand where I do is I want to make a difference for the cause of Christ. The mayor knows where I stand. The city council knows where I stand. They know I'll fight. I fought the liquor crowd in this town, and I'll keep fighting them. I fought the gambling crowd in this state. You go ask the governor. I've met with him, met with him right in the governor's mansion. 
stood with him toe-to-toe, nose-to-nose, and I told him, I said, the son and the grandson of a Baptist preacher ought to know better than to try to expand the gambling in our state. What a terrible thing that you would try to take advantage of the poor. Now, I'm an old-time old time fundamentalist like that, but I'm going to tell you the reason I decided to become a fundamentalist was to make a difference for the cause of Christ in the life of others. Senate President knows who I am. House, uh, the Speaker of the House knows who I am. But I want to tell you something. I don't want to be a fundamentalist to be a Pharisee. I want to be a fundamentalist to be a soul winner. I want to be a fundamentalist to make the difference in, a li- in the lives of boys and girls. They're boys and girls and teenagers right here since Justin, uh, Justin uh, got saved in our bus ministry. He preached at our uh, New Year's Eve service. He said, what this country needs is a revival. He said, if I knew how to start one, I'd start it right now, he said. We all said, Amen. We're with you, Justin. I believe in standards of separation. I tell folks, I met with a family this past week. They said, you're sort of old-fashioned. No, I said, I'm real old-fashioned. I said, I should have been born 1900. I should have been finished by now. I'm outdated, but for some reason God decided to have me be born when He did. And I'm a little late, but I still believe in old-fashioned separation. I believe in personal separation. I believe in ecclesiastical separation. I am a Baptist with a capital B. You say, preacher, what would you be if you weren't a Baptist? I'd be ashamed. I'm a Baptist. I believe in standards of separation, but can I tell you something? I don't want to raise a generation of young people that are separated for separated, uh, separation's sake. I want you to be separated so you can make a difference for the cause of Christ. I want you to be separated so you can be a light and be a testimony, be respected, that you can win somebody to Christ. You, you don't want to act like the world and try to win the world. You want to be different than the world. Why? So you can have the love of God in your heart and the, and the gospel of Christ on your tongue that you can win folks to Christ. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ. I believe this same Jesus is coming again. I believe in the local church. I'm Baptist through and through. But dear friend, the reason I believe in all of those, can I tell you something? In my dad's Bible that's in my office, in the back of his Bible, is taped a little book called The Articles of Faith. And all of those are the Bible doctrines. And each one of those Bible doctrines will have anywhere from 15 to 30 Scripture references. And I've sat at His feet while He's taught those. And I took my Bible when He said uh, that Jesus is the virgin-born Son of God. And we started with the Old Testament prophecies and we looked at every promise uh, that He would come as the Son of a virgin. And we went all the way through the fulfillment of those prophecies. But can I tell you something? That doctrine didn't do me any good just to know it if we weren't going to do anything with it. He taught us about the inerrancy of the Scriptures. He taught us how God gave the Scriptures by inspiration, that their God breathed, that uh, uh, the Holy Spirit moved, uh, uh, the Spirit moved on the holy men of old, and, uh, and He spake and spake through them, and they recorded the words of God, and then God preserved them. And He showed me every verse. He showed me the three verses in the Bible that warn us uh, from adding to and from taking away from the Scripture. And I learned all of that, but... I just knew it like I knew something I'd learned in school. But when I sat there as a teenager, 
And I heard this gal say, my life was wrecked and ruined. I was in and out of jail. My arms were scarred from the needles and the drugs. Oh, but I met Brother Roloff, and Brother Roloff told me about Jesus. And Jesus changed my life, and Jesus set me free from all of that. And I enjoy serving the Lord so very much, I said, that's why I want to be a fundamentalist. Now the doctrine of the Holy Spirit means something. Now the truth of the, of the Scriptures means something. And I want to tell you something tonight, young people. What this world needs is another generation of folks that care about the souls of mankind. You can make a difference. You can make a difference on your bus route. That little five, six-year-old boy, hey, hey, teenage girl, that little five, six-year-old boy and girl, they look up to you as a, somebody important. You mean you've got a mom and dad? You mean you live in that house? You go to that church? You mean something to them. Hey, teenage boy, you can make a difference on your bus route. You can make a difference where you live. You can make a difference in the lives of others. That's why I believe that book. I believe that book because I want to make a difference. I remember when I became the pastor here, we just had that little building over there, and I got a list of names and addresses of folks that were members of the church, and I began to visit. And uh, to be honest with you, I was a little, I was a little bit nervous. Oh, we have a light to go out. Yeah, lights went out back here. I was a little bit nervous, and uh, as I visited the houses, but I found some places I could just go soul winning. I started winning people to Christ. I could take you to that little row of shotgun houses right now and show you somebody different lives in those houses every two or three months. We've won people to Christ. Going back the next week to pick them up again. And we've had folks come on buses saved and baptized going back the next week and the house empty. Hearts broken. We don't know where they are. Praise God we know where they're going to be. You know why I decided to be an old-time fundamentalist? I want to make a difference in somebody's life for the cause of Christ. I want you to bow your heads. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You don't want to have standards just so you can be better than somebody else. It doesn't make you any better. You want to have standards so you can make a difference for Christ. And I pray that tonight God would touch a heart like He touched mine. I sat there when I heard those stories. In fact, as the years went along and I heard them again and again and again, they never got old to me. Every time I heard him tell those stories, every time I heard Dr. Howes tell the story, and that morning I stood and I declared, I'll take the bus kids every time tears came down my cheeks. Last night I was driving home from Warren, Michigan, north side on the northern side of Detroit. I'd planned to drive maybe halfway. I started listening to Dr. John Rice by way of CD. I started listening to the old fundamentalists, and you know what I heard them tell stories about. He said, well, it was in, uh, I believe it said Decatur, Texas. Had 121 saved in that revival campaign. And on and on and on. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts tonight. 
We need another generation of teenage boys and girls that will give their life, that will prepare their life to make a difference, make an eternal difference in the lives of others. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet tonight? Ladies, we're going to play the invitation song. I want to invite you to come to the altar and pray if you want to do that. What do you want to be in your life?